also like to welcome those who are worshiping with us on LifeGate Outreach TV, those who are listening to the audio messages as well on iTunes or on Buzzsprouts. We say God will be reaching you right where you are, and we pray for you regularly for testimonies also. And may the Lord continue to multiply those testimonies in your life. In the name of Jesus. We want to thank God we have been on a series of accessing divine creativity since this year began. Accessing divine creativity. And God's faithfulness has shown so powerfully in us and through us. Praise the Lord. That we just want to appreciate him for his goodness. Amen. And uh, this is the third in the series. And we want to appreciate God because... Divine creativity is the very nature of God. It's the very nature of God. The first things we read about God, thank you very much. The first thing we read about God in the book of Genesis is that he created. In the beginning, the next thing is we heard about God. The next thing that came after his name was creation. In the beginning, God created. So the very fundamental thing about God is that he is the God of creativity. He is the God of all creation. And in the third part of this series, two weeks ago, we looked at celebrating the creative God. Last week, we looked at creative thanksgiving. And in third, this week, we are looking, thank you very much, at creative praise and worship. God bless you. Creative praise and worship. And I want to say to us today that we must understand that these things, we talk about thanksgiving, praise, uh, God of creation, intercession, like we look at next week. We talk about these things, but we do not make full use of the power that is in them. Last week, throughout the week, we looked at how important thanksgiving is. We have realized that many people just give thanks as something they do, if at all. At times, people think it is just something we should just do every now and then. Then we realize that thanksgiving is commanded. God commanded us to give thanks, just like he has commanded us to give praise. The Bible says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And Jesus made us to understand that even the things that don't have breath, if they must praise, they will praise. Remember when he was entering Jerusalem and the people were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna to the king who comes in the name of the Lord. And people said, hey, shut your disciples down. Let them keep quiet. They're disturbing. He said, look, if this one should stop speaking, he said, what? The stones, the rocks, they will cry out because praise has to go to God. So if man stops, animals will start. If animals stop, even inanimate objects will start. Because God must be praised. Hallelujah. So you and I align ourselves with the agenda of God when we understand the place of praise and the place of worship. So divine creativity, as I said, is the nature of God. And creativity in man is God's gift to man to be a partaker of this is likeness. We have always read from Genesis 1, 27, the Bible says, And God said, let us make man in our image. And then God created he male and female, after his image, in his image and after his likeness, in his image and after his likeness. Now I want to quickly make some basic definitions of praise and then we'll talk, look at worship as well. From those definitions, these are just English dictionary definitions, but from these definitions, we will understand better what it means to praise and to worship. 
The word praise, just from the Oxford Dictionary, means to commend. Somebody say to commend. To express approval. Say to express approval of something. Say it with me with confidence. To express admiration. To applaud. To speak highly of. To speak highly of. Say to eulogize. Either a person or a deity. This is how the dictionary defines it. And that is true. We can praise people. We can commend people. We can applaud people. When our children, when we go for a a prize giving day in in schools and uh, they start to call the children who topped in mathematics, in English language, in physics, in whatever, and they, they suddenly call the name of your child, you know how you feel. Everybody will clap, but your own clapping is different because you are applauding your very own. Hallelujah. This is how we must understand. We can praise people. Now, God is not against us praising people. And I'll say that in the context that it is. God is not against us commending people. We have people that do things or represent things that we like and we let them know. We first appreciate them and we commend them. We say to them, well done. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. But we must understand that when it comes to the praise of God, it is very different. We give God praise, we applaud God, we sing to him, we do things that show his reverence, giving him the praise above every praise. The problem with God and man is when man praises man and ignores God. But when man praises man in the acknowledgement of God, then God is still exalted. So when you give somebody a commendation, you thank God for their lives and that ability that they are able to do. And the same thing as a person, when you receive a commendation or you are eulogized or people are giving you, speaking highly of you, always return all the glory to God. Never let that skip your memory. The moment somebody says to you, oh, I like the way you do this. You are so good at doing this. And they say, well done. Just say, we give God praise or thank God. Whatever you can say, always give him the glory. Hallelujah. Because whatever you are, whatever you become, whatever you do, everything you have and everything I have and ever become and do has come as a grace given to us by this God. Hallelujah. So when we talk about praise, we must understand the praise of God is, it gives us results that man cannot give. When you praise God, the Bible makes us to understand that there is something called the increase of the earth. We read this in Psalm 67 verse 3. It says, let the people praise you. I'm reading Psalm 67 verse 3. Let's read together now. It says, let the people praise you, O God. Let all the people, somebody say all the peoples. Now only, only the Bible is allowed to use peoples. He said, let the peoples praise you. Hallelujah. Verse 4. He said, oh, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you shall judge the people, what? Righteously and govern the nations of the earth. Don't get tired of reading verse 5 now. Let's shout it out. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Now shout verse 6 as loud and clear as you can. Then the earth shall yield her increase. 
God, our own God, shall bless us. Hallelujah. When we praise God, the earth yields her increase. When we talk about the increase of the earth, it's in many ways. The increase of the earth talks about our productivity. It talks about our advancement. It talks about our ability to do more. It talks about increased and enhanced capacity. When you look at your life five years ago, you are not where you were. You were not where you were. For if nothing has been added to you whatsoever, which I would not believe, at least you have increased in age. If you are 30 years, five years ago, you are now 35. It's as simple as that. That increase has come from God. It hasn't come. You cannot, the Bible says you cannot add a day to your own life. You cannot add a hair to your own head. So every increase, the Bible says we must praise him. And as we praise him, he said, then the earth shall yield her increase. Many people are not enjoying the increase of the earth today because they are not living a lifestyle of praise. When you praise people, life speaks for you. When you praise people, things work for you. When you praise God, right? When you praise God, people will come to your aid. That's that's what I was trying to say. People will favor you. God will favor you. People will favor you. We heard in the days of, uh, in the time of the, 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 the power tower, those of you that miss power tower, you miss at times some powerful things that are being shared. Prophet Larry was sharing with us here on how when we are a people who are always grateful and, 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 and uh, gracious in terms of what we are doing, we see how God helps us. How God causes even our enemies, those that did not originally or would not naturally want to work for you, will even be forced to work for you. It happens because there is a command of the increase of the earth in place. Hallelujah. I want you to take these words and understand that if you are going to be creative with life, praise must be your lifestyle. Psalm 150 verse 1. We read it again during the Bible reading, but I just want to quickly tell us, we go through it again because it's just six verses. The first two verses tells us where to praise him. Let's read it together. It said, praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty firmament. Verse two, praise him for his mighty acts, praise him according to his excellent greatness. The first thing says, praise him in his sanctuary, verse 1. It said, praise him in his sanctuary, verse 1. It said, praise him in his mighty firmament. This is why we must understand the place of coming to the sanctuary of God to praise. The time of praise and worship, you have heard this from me many times. The time of praise and worship in a service is not a time we use to fill up time so that we can just get to the word. It is a time where obeying the command to praise the Lord. We join forces with our brethren and we praise him in his sanctuary. So when you are thinking about a service, don't think about the message at the end of the service or any other thing. Start to think about your own time of coming to praise. The Bible says you and I must praise God in his sanctuary, in his mighty firmament. We know that when the people of God gather, the Bible says, there he is in their midst. And so we know that when we come to church, when we gather together with the saints, what we have is an opportunity to praise God in his sanctuary. So if we want the earth to yield her increase, 
and we want to praise, we praise the way he says we should praise. We praise in his sanctuary. Now we know that our bodies are also the living, uh, the, the, the temples of the Holy Spirit. We know that. And we know that we are living sacrifices. So we know that we can have individual praise. But there is a place called there that happens when brethren dwell together. When people come together, we read that in Psalm 133. He said, when brethren dwell together in unity. He said, there the Lord commands a blessing. Psalm 67 verse 5, he said, God, even our own God will bless us. Verse 6, he said, God, even our own God will bless us. So when we stay in the place of corporate praise, we enable the earth to yield her increase and we enable God to bless us. I want your mindset to change about praise this year. I want you to understand that praise is not just one of those things. We don't praise God because we just have nothing to do. We praise him because he commands us and it is a tool in his hand to help our own earth to yield her increase. Increase of promotion, increase of favor, increase of health, increase of strength, increase of wisdom, increase of intelligence, increase of brilliance, increase of understanding, increase of the way to know how to go to the city. The Bible says the labor of the foolish ones wearies every one of them for they do not know how to go into the city. But the more you praise God, the more he shows you how. The more you praise God, the more he exposes to you. Hallelujah! Some of us are lacking in what we can do today because our praise is short. Our praise is brief. If we step up our praise level, we increase God's opportunity in our lives to show us many more things than we can ever imagine. Hallelujah. Verse 3. How to praise him? Let's read. He said, praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the lute and harp. Praise him with the timbrel and what? And dance. Praise him with string instruments and flutes. He said, praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with clang, clashing cymbals. We must understand that our voices and musical instruments are given to us to use to praise God. The body of Christ think that when we put music, the music is to make us feel good in worship. That is just an extra. That is not the purpose. You may feel good. Music makes you feel good, whoever you are, even if you are Hitler. If you hear good music, something will shake your head. <laughs> Whoever you are, because music is powerful. But it is not about you. The Bible says when we have the loud cymbals, we praise him with it. When we have the clashing cymbals, we praise him with it. When we dance, we praise him with it. So when we come into God's presence and we stand like statues, we do not understand. You dance. You dance. You shake your body. Praise the Lord. If you don't know how to dance, just move your body. When you move your body, it's good enough. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Now, some people can dance better than others. That's no problem. I don't look at anybody when I'm dancing for my God. And if you are looking at me, that's your own business. But the truth of the matter is that I just dance. Just dance. However, he says you should dance. Go back to verse 4. The Bible says, Praise him with the timbrel and what? And the dance. So when we don't dance, we are not praising. When we don't use the timbrel and the stringed instruments, we are not, we are not complying, we are not praising. This is why if somebody is gifted like King David was gifted with stringed instruments and you hide that gift, you are like that man with the one talent who buried it and said God does not deserve it. God gave it to you so that you can supply it to the body of Christ to praise him. 
Hallelujah. When people don't give such gifts to God, the devil uses it. This is why all over the world today you see a lot of people who are singing nonsense. Utter nonsense. But yet people are listening to it and people are dancing at it and people are shouting. May God forgive Michael Jackson wherever he is. I remember in the 80s when we used to shout, I'm bad, I'm bad, I'm bad. And all of us are shouting it together. <laughs> Some of us were born again, but the song is so sweet that we were shouting, bad, bad, bad. I'm not bad. God have mercy on you, Michael Jackson. <laughs> I'm not bad at all. Why was I singing that kind of nonsense with you? <laughs> you say, I'm bad, you're bad. You say, yeah, I'm bad. <laughs> because music is powerful. All that kind of good thing, those melodies, should go to God. Satan stole it from God. He stole it from heaven. Remember Lucifer, the fallen angel? He stole it. And as many who are willing to take it, he's still giving it out to them. This is why concerts that are doing utter nonsense, no sense in what they're doing at all, are packing auditoriums today. They are packing and filling up social media today. You have people doing nothing, nothing of sense, having following in millions on social media. Because there is a force in praise that must go to God. But the devil keeps looking for ways to pervert it. The church must bring it back to where it ought to be. So that it will go to the God who deserves our highest praise. Hallelujah. Who should praise him? We've talked about that. Verse 6. He said, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Can somebody shout praise the Lord? Say praise the Lord. We must understand that the praise that is due to God is only what we must give to him. Now we can go on and on and throughout this week we will be talking more and sharing more about praise. But I want to quickly go into worship. You see when we come to worship, many people don't know the difference. When I ask a believer now, if I just call somebody and I say what is the difference between praise and worship? Many people cannot explain. Many people think that when we sing fast songs we are praising and when we sing slow songs we are worshiping. I've heard that many, many years ago, and I said, wow, what a definition. It has nothing to do with the pace of the song, or a song as it were. Praise, I've shown you, many times we may not even sing. We can just be playing instruments to a song. That's why at times, Brother Fulani, God bless him, and Brother Joba there, God bless this gentleman. At times they just play on the instruments, and all we do is we just sing along, we praise along. That's fine. And at times we put words to it. Many times we put words to it. But worship is a little bit more than that. Worship has to do with expressing reverence, with expressing veneration, with expressing adoration to God or a deity. Worship must never be given to man or to any other object. We heard in Luke chapter 4 when Satan was trying to tempt Jesus. Satan knows that this was the last straw. Adam had fallen and had given him his birthright. And here was this second Adam. If only he could get him to worship just like Adam did in the garden by eating the apple. Then he would have won the final victory. But thank God for Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Satan said to him, look at this on verse 6. Luke chapter 4 verse 6. Let's read it together. This was at the temptation of Jesus Christ. The Bible says, and the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you and their glory. For this has been delivered to me, in bracket, by Adam. And I give it to whomever I wish. When I heard this scripture again yesterday, I was at a meeting. And we were praying for some people commissioned into ministry. 
And I heard these words again, and I give it to whomever I wish. And I said to myself, wow, this is why we need to understand in the body of Christ that the devil is still giving a lot of things. The glory of this world, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, the Bible says he's the God of this world. He's still giving some things to certain people, and people are now confused. I've heard many Christians say, and even write on social media, that why do Christians talk about the blessing of the righteous alone? After all, there are people who are not saved, who are blessed. There are people who, do, who even curse God and they are blessed. They do not understand that the devil can give glory to whoever he wishes. That does still not make them saved. It still does not make it good success. It makes it success in the terms of the world standards, but it is not good success. God said to Joshua, this book of the law, the precepts of God, the way I do things must not depart out of your mouth. You meditate on it day and night. Then you observe to do according to everything that is written therein, which now includes accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Believers must understand the place of good success and ordinary success. What we are seeing is many cases, anyone who is not in the covenant is out of the covenant. There's no in-between. Now, I respect great entrepreneurs of our time. I respect great business minds of our time. I respect people who have done well in the fields of business and in the very many areas of life, of endeavor, that we even enjoy some of their products and services. I respect all that. But the truth of the matter is that God does not and cannot ever compromise his standard. If anyone receives the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they shall be saved. If anyone does not receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, John chapter 3 verse 17 tells us that they are condemned already. So we must understand and never join the league of people who are saying that this thing about a covenant of God, blessing the children of God only and causing them to have good success is not of God. No, we must not allow that. Because what we know is that the devil says he can give glory to whoever, the earth's glory, which is his at this point in time. He can give it to whoever he wishes. But thank God for Jesus. The Bible says in verse 7, he said, therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. That's the devil still trying to tempt Jesus. Let's look at what Jesus said. Very important for you and I, verse 8. And Jesus answered and said to him, get behind me, Satan, for it is written, you shall Worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Tell your neighbor for me. You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Him only. Because there will be a temptation to worship somebody else. There will be a temptation to worship your money. There will be a temptation to worship your job. There will be a temptation to worship your spouse. If you have a spouse that is treating you well, treating you good all the time, if care is not taken, you will forget God and concentrate on them. There will be a temptation to worship just anything. Many people are unconsciously worshiping other things without even thinking twice. But the Bible says him only. Him only. God only. The Lord our God. Him only we must serve. Him only we must worship. So worship is the art of losing yourself in God. Throwing yourself into the reverence of God. Throwing yourself into the adoration of this God. Knowing fully well that he is the only God that must be venerated. He is the only God that must be exalted. Now we must respect people. We must be thankful to God for people. But we must never put people in the place of God. God is in a class all by himself. 
Worship is the extreme of this kind of praise and this kind of adoration that we're talking about. Worship is the highest extreme. Every one of them is found in each other. We talked about thanksgiving, praise. Thanksgiving can be a form of praise. When you are thanking somebody and thanking God, it can be a form of praise. And you can thank people, like I said. You can thank God. You can praise people, like I said. You can praise God. But you must never ever worship anyone else. When it comes to worship, it is a personal connection between you and this deity. Between you and this God of all flesh. This God who created you. This God who is willing to create many more things in your life. So to truly worship God, we must get out of self-worship. We must be willing to humble ourselves before God. Surrender every part of our lives. Which means that whether it is convenient or not, we worship. We don't worship God because we are feeling good. We don't worship God because we just want to do it. Or there is a good environment around us. Or we are in church. We worship him as a lifestyle. So worship is a lifestyle like thanksgiving and praise. We must not make it an occasional activity. The Bible says where we read in John chapter 4, Jesus said to the Samaritan woman, the woman said, oh, we have been worshiping, our fathers have been worshiping on this mountain. But you Jews say we have to go to Jerusalem. And Jesus said a time is coming and now is. You don't need to go to Jerusalem. You don't need to worship here. Because God is asking that they that must worship him, must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, I've had the privilege by God's grace to be in Jerusalem. And I've been to the places, different places, Nazareth, Bethlehem, all those places. A few weeks ago, I told you about my time at the Dead Sea. Now, by God's privilege, I've been there many years ago. But I know that the same way, and we had the opportunity of having services. It's a very thing people do you know when you travel there you feel this holy calling to do certain things <laughs> you just feel holy in a different way <laughs> because you're in jerusalem but the truth is i know very clearly that we did all that thank god for that but it is no different now when i'm here or when i'm in london or when i'm in a town called mopa don't look at it on the map but you 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 will not find it but there's a town that like that like that is in one country like that whether I'm in Mopa, or I'm in Warsaw, or I'm in London, or I'm in Lagos, or I'm in New York, I'm in Cape Town, wherever I've been on this planet, every time I lift up my hands to worship this God, is the same thing. Whether it is there, in Jerusalem, or anywhere else, what Jesus is saying is that worship must be part of your life. Amen. Amen. It must be part of your life. You must worship him. He said, God is a spirit. John chapter 4, verse 24. Say with me, God is spirit. And those, that, those who worship him must worship. Must worship. One more time. Must worship in spirit and truth. So worship is an attitude of the heart. Worship is not something. We can go through the motions and make it sound like we are doing something. But it is something that we must understand. God does not like the worship that is of motions. Look at what he said to Isaiah in Isaiah 29 verse 13. He said, therefore the Lord said, inasmuch as these people draw near with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but they have removed their hearts far from me. The heart must be connected. When people come before God and say, Lord, I worship you in the beauty of holiness. We, I may be seeing you, you may be seeing me and say, oh, you may look at me and say, oh, 
Pastor David is worship, worshiping. And I could look at you and say, oh, my brother or my sister is worshiping. But only God knows who is worshiping. The Bible says there are times we honor him with our lips, but we have removed our hearts far from him. He said, and their fear toward him is taught by the commandment of men. He is not happy that people just come to do things because people have commanded that let us do that. He wants you and I to take a decision that we will be worshiping sincerely, genuinely, committedly. Look at verse 14. He said, because of that, he is going to do something. He said, therefore, behold, I will again do a marvelous work among these people. A marvelous work and a wonder. For the wisdom of their wise men shall perish, and, their, and the understanding of their prudent men shall be hidden. It is only frustration when we worship in the flesh. It is of the spirit that we reap life everlasting. The Bible says, he that sows to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting, eternal life. You and I must understand that God does not want us to worship in the flesh. God sees the heart. God sees the heart and he desires and he deserves sincere, heartfelt praises and worship even here on earth. Psalms, 89, Psalms 99 verse 5. He said, exalt the Lord our God and worship at his footstool. He is what? He is holy. God said the earth is his throne and the heaven is his throne and the earth is what? His footstool. So everyone on earth must worship God. We must exalt the Lord our God. We have to take personal responsibility for worshiping God with everything. Unlike praise, worship is something that we do with our lives. We do it with our time. We do it with our substance. When we say substance, we mean our money, our material possessions, with our gifts, whether they are spiritual or vocational. We worship God with those things because everything we have and every increase we have in those things has come from God. We are not turning to it, but First Chronicles 29, David said when he was about to hand over the building of the temple to his son, he said, Lord, for all good things that we have have come from you. James 1.17 says, every good and perfect gift comes from above, comes from the Father of lights. So we must know how to worship God with everything. It is not just with songs or with dancing, which we can do with praise. When it comes to worship, this is why in this church, when we take our offerings, we say offering time is worship time, just to reemphasize the point. Of course, it is a blessing time. But we say it's worship time much more because it gives us the understanding and the reawakening to know that what we are bringing to God is to use to worship God. How sad it has become that offerings and tithes and things to do with giving in the place of worship in our day and age has turned to subjects of controversy. And even Christians are arguing whether they should pay tithes, whether they should give offering, whether it's Old Testament, whether it's New Testament, whether it's this and that. And I say, where are the hearts of the people? Where are the hearts of the people like those that were with Moses when he built a tabernacle? And the people were giving and giving and giving and giving because they heard that it was a tabernacle to the God who delivered them from Egypt. They were giving until Moses had to say, hey, enough, enough. <laughs> Can you imagine that level of giving? Just giving and giving, giving and giving. They say, Moses, we're going to bring more. The man said, okay, let's see. Let's, that's okay now, that's okay. And then the brother said, no, enough, enough. Did you read that in your Bible? He told them it was enough. I said, wow. I said, where is the heart of the people? Like those that were in the days of David, when they were building the tabernacle. David himself alone gave 
to the equivalent of over what we currently call and rate as over one billion in U.S. dollars, according to theologians, because he had gold, he had silver, and they were weighing the, the quantity that it was and converting it to current day uh, currencies. The elders gave, everybody gave. In the New Testament, the Bible says they took their houses, they sold it, they brought it to worship God and to make sure that the, the house of God was such a viable entity that nobody lacked anything. But our generation is talking about giving as if it is something that is new and strange. And yet we want to see the increase of God. Yet we are praying for Abraham's order of blessing. Have you forgotten that Abraham was ready to sacrifice his only son? Have you forgotten that he was ready to worship God with the only son, the so-called covenant son? He worshipped with everything he had. And that's why God said, you will not touch the child. Now I know that you are of a different kind. Now I know that you love me. Now I know that you want to serve me. We must exalt the Lord our God. Every increase that has come in our lives, we must look at our increase. As, we are, as God is increasing us, we must be increasing in our level of worship. As God is increasing us, giving us strength, giving us capacity, we move up again with our, with our... And it is usually common or more common in the area of our giving. If your giving today is the same way it was 10 years ago, 5 years ago, you have not made progress because God did not keep you where you were 10 years ago, 5 years ago. You have to keep giving to show that you are worshipping. Listen, friends, this is not a money collection scheme. It's not a money-making scam. It's not, an, it's not a, an idea to try to get you to bring money. It's an idea, it is, a, it is, a, it is a, a word from God to help you to understand how best you can worship God in such a way that your life never remains the same. I want to just quickly close with Romans chapter 14, verse 7. He said, for none of us lives lives to himself and no one dies to himself. Go straight to verse 8. He said, for if we live... We live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and rose and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. Go to verse 11. God bless you. He said, for it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then, each of us shall give account of himself to God. When you live life as if you are so consumed in God, God takes over your matters. Things work for you differently. Friends, believe me. A few days ago, my wife came back from shopping. I said, what's all this you bought? She said, oh, some things for Occupy. Bought plates, bought cups, bought... I said, and this thing, she has done like this since this work started. I'm just saying this so that you understand. By God's grace, God sees my heart. I'm not making a boast of this or trying to score a point. I'm only telling you this is our life. No wonder when she comes back from work, I hear testimonies of how God helped her, how God is promoting her, how God is opening that door. This curtain behind me, I was reminded a few days ago by the Holy Spirit. I gave her, when this church was starting, 1,000 pounds. I said, go and buy clothes. I put my money in her hand. I said, go and buy clothes for yourself. I just want to change your wardrobe a bit, whatever that could buy. Just buy whatever. She said, thank you, thank you, God bless you, thank you. The next day she came back, she said, you know, I have this idea. I said, what's your idea? 
It said the backdrop in the church, we can do something with it. I've just gone online and I found out with about 800 and something pounds, we can get enough to buy this thing. I said, okay, so I'll, I'll look for how we can get the money. She said, no, 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 the money you gave me yesterday. I said, no, I gave you that money to buy clothes for yourself. <laughs> because so many times, so many times. Now, she has never lacked clothes since that time. Never, never. Today, by the grace of God, that looks beautiful. When it goes off, we thank God for it. But you know something? I am telling you that these are things that when you do, when you connect to, and you are showing God that this is how you want to do to serve him, he takes you that your life never remains the same because you are giving your own account to God. My life as a person, I don't live as a pastor in the context of I'm pastor. I live first here as a child of God. My pastoral duty is a duty, is a role. My life is my life. When I go and stand before Jesus, he will not say, Pastor David. What is Pastor David in heaven? He will just say, David, what did you do with your life? What did you do with the gifts I gave you? What did you how did you serve me? Those are the questions. Because the Bible makes us to understand that each one of us will give account of himself to God. Let us serve God honorably. Let us serve God with our might. Let us serve God with integrity. When we treat God with levity, life will be very, very slow. But your life will not be slow. When you treat God with utmost importance, God speaks for you. Those of you that were in the morning prayers, I was sharing how God has been helping me to go to countries to be examining PhDs. Some things that people who are three times, four times my rank academically are craving for. It comes to me. South Africa, Italy. I'll be going to another country in a few days time by the grace of God. All expenses paid, everything paid for. One of the professors in my college where, we, where I lecture, he said to me, he said, David, how do you get these things? I say, it's God. Whether that makes any sense to him or not, I don't know. <laughs> I say, it's God. The God I serve opens doors for me in ways I cannot comprehend. God is going to open doors for you. I want you to believe God for a change this year. And this change will come on your altar of sacrifice. And as you sacrifice, God will honor his word in your life. In the name of Jesus. Please rise to your feet with me. Let's